Well, hello. It is great to see you. I hope you're doing wonderful. I hope you're staying dry. <laughs> little, little snow, and that's always fun. You know, it is March, our snowiest month, right? So I guess that's just what we should expect. Well, we're really glad you're here. We're really excited about talking about this series in the book of Ephesians. We are already in chapter 5, kind of hard to believe that. But we're looking at this series called, Who Do We Think We Are? And it's kind of a play on words. It's kind of a fun thought to understand that we know we are the church, and we get that. And we recognize that it's the church that God has called to make a difference on the earth. We represent God. <laughs> now that is a scary thought. At least for me it is. I, I'm not sure I like that idea, but that's exactly what the book of Ephesians is trying to say, is it matters what you do, it matters what you say, it matters who you hang out with, it matters how you live. Why? Because you're the church, and people are watching. And our job is to give God a good reputation by how we live. So we're going we're gonna to dive in. This idea this weekend is we have homes, we have families, we have friendships that all point to God. We have, we have so many things in our lives that represent the kingdom of God just by the fact that it involves relationship. And so as we talk about these things, keep an open mind to where you are in the words that Paul is saying to the people in Ephesus. As a kid, I have, I have great memories of my childhood, and I'm so thankful. But one of the things I do remember is in elementary school, having this big playground and turning it into a big game of tag. Now, that's got to be one of the most boring games on the planet. But there's nothing to it. All you do is run. But what's the point? You chase, you chase somebody down. So the question I want to start with today is, what are you chasing? Or maybe better yet, who are you chasing? Chasing means I'm after something. I am in pursuit. I am going after this. It could be an idea. It could be a goal. It could be a person. But I'm pursuing it with everything I have. So I have three points today that have to do with chasing. And I want you to join the chase because I'm chasing after God. So let's look at a couple of these things. Number one in your outline, if you're writing it down, it'll pop up on the screen as well, is this. Chase after God in your behavior. Chase after God in all the things that you do. Your behavior. Ephesians 5 starts out, by saying this, imitate God. Wow. Imitate God. Therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children, live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. That's how Christ lived. He loved us, and he offered himself as a sacrifice for us. 
as a pleasing aroma to God. Now, I want you to keep that in mind, especially in light of where we're going with this, that this all started with Christ representing God on the earth and laying down his life. He didn't come and say, I represent God, so I'm the boss of everything. He came to say, I'm here to sacrifice my life for the good of humanity. So when we represent God, it becomes serving, caring for others, making a difference in all that we do, and our behavior matters. Now, what happens, what happens in Ephesians 5 is a little tricky because all of a sudden Paul jumps into a list. Like seriously, the whole chapter is like, don't do this, don't do that, do this, do this, do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, do this, do this, do this. And it's just filled, the whole thing. So I'm going to have you read that on your own. Read all of it. Chapter 5. It's not very long. You can read it. It won't take you long. But he starts talking about don't be immoral sexually. Don't be impure. Don't be greedy. Um, these are sins that have no place in the kingdom of God. And what he's doing here is he's trying to help the people in Ephesus understand that this is a practical message. You know, sometimes we forget that being spiritual does involve our lifestyle. Serving God involves what I do every day. It involves my attitude about you, my attitude about authority, my attitude about God and people. So, so it really does matter that I stay away and I avoid sinful behavior. He talks about the pleasures of the world. And if you read that, he talks about how we're not to be fooled by the things that appeal to our human appetites. Don't crave those things, but instead chase after God. Chase after God in even your behavior. So that shapes how I think, because how I think becomes behavior in my life. It's very true. Think about this. As I, as I look at, at this idea of trying not to sin, doing the list, trying to avoid evil, all these things that Paul's talking about. Do you think God is going to love me more if I succeed in doing the list? It's a really good question. Because it doesn't make God love me anymore. God's love is unconditional, regardless of your behavior. And that's what's weird about this concept. God loves people who hate him. God loves people who denounce him. So Paul isn't saying this so that we can earn the love of God. You don't earn the love of God. You have the love of God because God loves you no matter what. So then what is this behavior all about? Well, the behavior becomes the patterns in which people see in my life that become attractive as a lifestyle, and I don't have near as many scars in my life. I don't have regrets in my life. I was talking with someone the other day, and they said, I just, I wish more young people could have fun without regrets. That really made me think, and that little phrase has stuck in my mind. The Friday night bar scene, the Saturday night in Old Town, the things that we often find ourselves doing that at the time seem fun, but they might put a scar in your life if you're not careful. 
So Paul is trying to address that. These are Gentiles who have no discipline of the law like the Jewish people had growing up under this mantle of trying to serve God, offering sacrifices for God. The Gentiles, <laughs> hey, it was a free-for-all, you know? You do what you want, you have fun, you enjoy your life, and it's five o'clock, let's go uh, get wasted. That, that was kind of the mindset. So Paul is coming in, he's saying, hey, you're claiming God as your source. Why don't you let your life represent him in a way that's honorable to God? If I'm representing you, you know, when you, when you have an attorney who's representing you in court, does it matter to you what they say, how they behave? Does it matter to you how they treat your case? <laughs> yeah, it does. Why? Because they represent you. So as we represent God, let's do a good job of doing everything in our power to make a difference. So is behavior important? Yes, it is. It doesn't make God love me more, but it does help people to be attracted to God more. And there's a big difference between those things. People want freedom. People want freedom without regrets. People want to be able to live their life with a, a sense of urgency and joy and peace. And the patterns of Scripture help them do that. But the world offers so many substitutes that it's pretty hard to keep from getting bogged down in some of those types of things in life. So God loves us. We're going to try to be an example to others, and we're going to chase after God, even with our behavior. So I've got some things I'm working in my life. I hope you'll uh, own the fact that you can work on some things in your life. Okay, let's keep moving, because the second one is also pretty important. All, of, all three of these are, but it's this. Chase after God by seeking His wisdom. Chase after God, run after Him, pursue Him, by seeking after the wisdom that comes from catching God. Now, wisdom is a mystery. I don't think you know if you have it or not, but let me read this and what it says in verse 15 and following. So then, be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. And then he gets really practical because alcohol was a big deal. Drunkenness was a big deal. And he says, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. It's, it's, it's not for some other big spiritual reason. It's, I don't want you to ruin your life. God doesn't want you to ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Singing psalms and hymns spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts and give thanks for everything to God, the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you see, you see what Paul is doing? He's urging the people in Ephesus to pay attention to chasing after God by seeking the wisdom. Don't be foolishly throwing your life away by living in drunkenness and all the things that come with that, but instead live in a manner where you're paying attention to influencing others by living wise. Now, wisdom is needed everywhere in our lives. So let me ask you this question. What does it actually mean to be wise? 
you can make your own list. That's, that's what I get to do when I build a message. I get to just write stuff down and say, I think this is being wise. I know one thing, I know when I've been a fool. <laughs> I, I know a few times in my life when I go, well, I think I took the bait that time and uh, not doing that again <laughs> one time. You know, you know the free condo thing? Uh, they want to sell you a condo, so they give you a free camera, a free night stay and all that. I remember, I remember going for that one time with Bonnie up at Vail, and we went up there, and we had to sit through this two-hour thing and pressure and all this stuff. And like at the end of that, we're like, okay, we're we're done with that. And and then it was all over. And they said, okay, well, thanks for coming. You know, we didn't buy it, and they were supposed to give us a free 35 millimeter camera. And I said, is there a camera somewhere involved in this? <laughs> and, and they said. Oh, uh, and then the assistant turned to someone else and said, go see if there's any more of those cameras in the back room. <laughs> so they went back and said, we're all out, sorry. <laughs> so anyway, I was foolish. I don't want to live that way. Now, fortunately, that had nothing to do with sinful behavior. But there are many times when people are foolish as it relates to sin. So let me just give you a couple ideas and a couple things. How does seeking God's wisdom impact me and impact others. Let's just say you're going to get up tomorrow and say, God, I'm seeking your wisdom. So what does that mean? How is, that, is that going to change your day? Well, let me give you some ideas. I think a couple things. First of all, if I'm going to seek the wisdom of God, it's going to slow me down. That's not a bad thing. We live in a rat race world where faster is better. And if I'm going to seek wisdom, it's going to slow me down to ponder, to actually digest what I'm listening to, to actually think about the party I'm considering going to, to actually think about whether or not I should do this thing that all my buddies are doing and saying it's great. I'm going to think about what I invest in. I'm going to give a little more thought to who I'm hanging out with and relationships. Maybe I'll discern a little bit more about who I really shouldn't be hanging out with. All of these things, when I'm pursuing the wisdom of God, it slows me down to ponder. It also forces me to examine the options. If if I'm really seeking wisdom, then I probably have to do this thing where I go, what would be an alternative to this? Even in little things, buying a car. I don't just run out and get the best, the first car I, I drive or look at. No. Have you ever used the phrase, I think I'll sleep on it? That's what I'm talking about. Seeking the wisdom of God, it's very earthy, it's very real, it's very practical. It means I slow down, I pay attention, and maybe. I just say to my wife, Bonnie, let's sleep on this before we make a decision. And then let's get clarity before we go forward. Because if we're confused, this can't be something God wants to bless. Let's make sure that we have peace in our hearts. Another thing it does that I've learned in my life, if I'm, if I'm seeking after wisdom, it causes me to ask questions. So tell me about that. What do you think about that? 
Have you experienced this? So suddenly I'm, I'm learning from other people by asking questions about their experience, about whatever it is that I'm talking about. And then it also forces me to set some healthy priorities. So managing my life, my time, my health, doing all these things because why? I'm seeking, I'm chasing after God. I'm pursuing God in trying to be wise in making these decisions. Should I really be eating that every day? Should I really be drinking that every day? These are all things where I'm seeking God's wisdom. You say, who cares what you eat or drink or whatever? It matters in the long run. So everything I do needs to somehow point toward chasing after God, chasing after his wisdom, paying attention to all the parts of my body, my mind. What am I putting in my mind? What am I reading? What am I watching? What am I listening to? What am I eating? What am I putting in my body? Am I exercising? Am I being out there? Am I, are, my, are my relationships healthy? Do I love people fully? Do, am I loved in return? Do I feel secure? All of these emotions come with this idea of chasing God and seeking his wisdom in all the things that I'm about as a person. Ask God for wisdom. In the book of James, James really makes this clear. Ask for wisdom. God will give it to you. So seek him. Number, number three. Chase after God with submission to his authority. Chase after God with submission to his authority. Now, this is one of the trickiest parts in the New Testament for people who don't like the word submission. And I'm going to try my best to bring clarity for you and help you with this if you've struggled with this. Maybe you haven't, but many people do. Verse 21, it simply says this. And further, Paul says, submit to one another out of what? And you see it there? Out of reverence for Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Paul addresses the idea of submission starting with the understanding that God wants what is best for us. If I believe that, then submission is going to be part of the equation as I chase after God. I need to stop. I need to listen. I need to live in submission to His reign over my life. Now, here's what tricks people. Wives, submit to your husband. <laughs> oh boy. There's a can right there. Don't open it. No, we want to open it. What is Paul actually saying? He's, he's saying submission is part of marriage. Let me just throw this out there. He charges the husband to absolutely madly love his wife as Christ loved the church. What did Christ do for the church? He surrendered his life. He, he gave... He, he gave himself up. I am called by God because I'm married to surrender my life to love Bonnie as my wife and be willing to lay down my life for her. If I do that, I've, I've never met a lady 
a married woman yet that doesn't want to live and respond to a husband that puts her first. A husband that's laying down his life, being empowered by God to lead her and guide her. And then the two become one. It's a beautiful picture. What happens is, in our human realm, we reduce it to who's the boss. And that's not what Paul is saying. There's not a boss here. There's a submission and a surrender that is sweet and beautiful. And I'm going to say this word, holy. It's a holy submission. It's out of my honor to God. He goes on to talk about slaves to masters. Slavery, are, are we supporting slavery here in the Bible? No, that's, that's not what the intent is. If you've ever had a job, it can feel like you're a slave. <laughs> An employee-employer relationship is much what happened in the culture that Paul's talking to here. And he's saying, be the best worker on the planet. Be true to, the, to your boss. Be loyal to the company you work for. If not, then get out. And, and show that, that love and loyalty in a way that honors Christ, not just because you're a good person, but in a way that brings glory to God because you're giving your best. If I bring my best every day, that's honoring God. If you bring your best every day to your marriage, to your work, to your life, to your home, to your kids, you're honoring God. He goes on to say to children, you know, submit to your parents, love your parents, pay attention, honor your father and mother. One of the commandments. Why is that in there? It's in there because this is what honors God. We respect those people in our lives, especially those key relationships that we have. So don't get hung up on who's submitting to who. The bottom line is we're submitting to God. Every relationship in your life involves surrender. Every relationship. If it doesn't, it's not a healthy relationship. Because two people, in order to make it work together, have to surrender to God first and surrender to each other. If I'm looking out for the best for my wife and she's looking out for what is best for me, we're going to fight over who helps each other the most. <laughs> no, you eat that last cookie. No, you eat it. Okay. <laughs> Try that one sometime. I want to just wrap up by walking you through, I think, three things here. Really practical. And it's more of a comfort piece because Ephesians 5 and the first part of Ephesians 6, verses 1 through 9, I believe it is, which I'd, I hope you read, they're heavy. They, they require something of us. It's do this, don't do this, pay attention. All these heavy things. So I'm going to try to lift the burden out of that and, 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 and show us why this is actually a joyful thing that we can do. Okay, number one, I have to come to this place where I cannot do these things on my own strength. And I know I can't. I, I would fail before I ever start. So I just have to stop and say, God, I can't do this. And God says, I know. But that's where I come in. My spirit is sufficient. As you pursue me, as you chase after me, I will empower you by the spirit 
to be able to say no to those temptations, no to drunkenness, no to evil, no to immorality. Your human nature is going to jump out every day and grab for the things that are self-centered. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, I can trust that God will work these things in me. So I don't have to live stressed all the time. I know I can't do it on my own strength. I had a funny thing. I just got to share this and I'll move on. But when I was in, in seventh grade, I was tiny. Okay, so I didn't hit my growth spurt until about ninth grade. Now I'm six foot four and I was always kind of one of the bigger, uh, taller kids in high school. But man, not in, not in middle school. I was, a, I was, I think I weighed like, 70 pounds. I couldn't even play, play flyweight football in seventh grade without my mom signing a form because I didn't weigh 80 pounds. And you had to weigh at least 80 pounds. And so I was little. I was really tiny. And, and that created, you know, it, that creates its own challenges, especially in middle school. And may I say, when I grew up, uh, a bullying was alive and well. Um, there, were, there was no rule about bully. That term didn't even exist. There was a pecking order in school. And when, uh, when this guy decided he wanted to beat me up, I was scared to death because he was like an eighth grader and he was a big eighth grader. But I had a sister in ninth grade. This is when seven, eight, nine were all together and called junior high. And Angie went to the toughest kid in school who she was friends with named Billy and she said, hey, Derry's my brother, and that eighth grade kid is picking on him. You need to take care of that. <laughs> and oh my goodness, when Billy approached that eighth grader and said, uh, Derry's off limits, you touch him, uh, you'll deal with me. I was free, I was free. <laughs> I'll never forget that. I love my sisters. <laughs> so, so it's kind of like that. God steps in and takes care of the bully. God steps in and says, you mess with them, you're messing with me. So I can relax. Number two, behavioral change takes opportunity and patience. So if, I, if I'm going to have this behavioral change that we've been talking about, first of all, I've got to live a normal life so that I have opportunity to be impatient. If I'm, if I'm going after patience and I need to try to be more patient, then I need to be tested. I need to be in situations that test my patience. So I can go, okay, this is what, this is what Paul was talking about. I need to be Feel that temptation. Maybe I have a desire that's very human, uh, the lust of the flesh, a craving of something I shouldn't be craving. And I stop and say, I'm going to practice now. Do I want that to control my mind, my heart, my life? Or am I going to submit that to God and say, thank you for the opportunity? I'm, I'm going to pass this test. I believe your spirit is here to quicken me, to get me through this temptation. I'm going to resist it. And when you do that time and time again, you start to build a strength in your life, in your behavior. But you definitely have to practice. Think about that. And think about a culture that's instant. We always want instant gratification. How many things in your kitchen cabinet are instant right now? Instant everything. 
You just peel the lid off and eat it. We don't like to wait. But sometimes the true values that have to be settled in my heart take time. And that's the, that takes me to the last one. I have the rest of my life to practice. Now that can sound like a lazy kind of statement. Oh, I've got the rest of my life. But I really want you to consider it. You have the rest of your life to practice these things. My behavior, my flesh is going to fight it every day. The enemy doesn't want you to be godly. Hear me. He wants to take you out. And he plays for keeps. I'm not kidding. I deal with it all the time with people who did not build a resistance to temptation and they said yes and their lives are ruined. God's playing for keeps. And he wants you more than the enemy does. But he wants you to win and he'll help you conquer. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for the idea of trusting you with the toughest things in our lives. I come to you. I need you. I submit to your authority in my life. Lord, I pray that we, as the people of God, the church, would represent you well. That we would learn how to submit to you first and to others who we love and cherish. Show us, Lord Jesus, how to lean not to our own strength or understanding, but on yours. Let God do a work in you today. Say yes to these mandates. Read it carefully and tell God, I'm on a journey and I want your blessing and I'm going to live in a way that blesses you on this earth because I know I represent this God that I serve right here in real life living where I'm tempted, where I'm stressed, where I'm hurt, where I'm wounded, but I'm going to do it through your strength, not my own. Let love live as you listen, connect, and serve. And I thank you for joining us today. Let us know how we can help you. We'd love to partner with you in any way possible. God bless you. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks for joining in.